I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Brian, I hear you're a doctor. Your parents must be very, very proud. Not really. I, they wanted me to be a DJ. <laughs> He's funny. <laughs> That's funny. You didn't say he was funny, Cassie. Dad. <laughs> you didn't say it was... You didn't say it was funny? No. I said you were boring but rich. I am boring. Not that rich. Oh, well, <laughs> in that case, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another special episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and today we are celebrating Valentine's Day with a female-driven thriller, Promising Young Woman. But before we seek revenge and add another tally in our little black book, I am joined by two returning guests. The first, you know him, he's a loyal soldier of the Galactic Empire, or whatever remnant is left of it, and is one of the talented hosts of WSTR Galactic Public Access. Please welcome back, Todd Hoffman. Thanks, Armand. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back again. And next up, we have the Italian stallion himself, the host of The Sim Show, and an adventurer in a time-traveling hot tub. Please welcome back Simone Salas. Hey, Armand. Hey, Todd. Hello. <laughs> nice to have that's, you that's, back. That's how a stallion says hi, right? I guess. <laughs> uh, that's, I think. I don't know. Oh, boy. So, all right. So, guys, let's let's jump right into it. So, what were your initial thoughts of Promising Young Woman? It's crazy. I did not expect the way this movie went, so I'm very excited to talk about it tonight. Can I just, just like, right, right off the bat, acknowledge that it's three dudes discussing a feminist <laughs> movie? <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of them, and spoiler, it's, it's even gay. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Simona, you said it. We're three three dudes talking about a female-driven movie, but you know, uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation, anyways, because there's much to talk about. And yeah, this film says a lot, and I thought it was a nice subversion to the Valentine's Day holiday. Yeah, it was like a trap. About this movie. It was a trap. You told me that you want to do a Valentine episode, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do it." And then it's, it's a feminist thriller where, where predators are maybe killed, maybe not. We don't know it. <laughs> but, but I was like, "All right, let's thank your mind. Thank you for this Valentine movie." So, but this one, I, I, I had no idea about it. So I was like. I, I, w- I had no expectation, yeah, so it was it was very good to to watch this one. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to just watch the opener, as you said, with Adam Brody playing like the only knowledge that I have of that guy is the OC, and he opens up and plays the Predator, and then it turns <laughs> out that you know you're like, all right, this is gonna be good, but actually the movie is more about an actress from Glow getting married, and then another actor from Glow, the Netflix show playing the the predator and there is a little bit of that neon high hyper feminine mm. aesthetic right yeah. then we like like yes. glow a little bit so yes. yeah <laughs> definitely yeah, an interesting like, opener it's funny that adam brody is in the opener because we just reviewed a movie not too long ago called jennifer's body mm. and he's in it and he plays a predator so I'm not oh. saying he's typecasted to be predators, but you know when you're in Jennifer's body trying to sacrifice this girl to the devil for your music career to get off the ground, and then now you're in promising young woman as uh, like a date rapey kind of guy. It's like okay, I think he found a niche, <laughs> a or maybe niche. the director has found his niche. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's gonna have a podcast like that, <laughs> talking to the predator. <laughs> he's got the predator's niche. I mean, let's just dive into it. So before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this conversation, you know you know what time it is. It's time for some elevator pitches. So <laughs> you guys know, listeners, you probably know too, if you're really trying to sell a movie on somebody, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So here on Syndicate today, since we have two guests on, we're going to split the time of 60 seconds into 30 seconds for each person. So Todd, you're going to start. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And then at the 30 second mark, I'm going to pass it along to Simone. And then Simone is going to finish your thoughts. I I just want to say, I just want to say too, I will do better than my co-host Carla, who was trying to not even, she didn't even get out of the opening of Wonder Woman. She was like, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) all right so i'm gonna have the timer up and running we're gonna start the 60 seconds elevator pitch in three two one go uh this is titled a dark comedy but really it's more of a thriller (laughs) and so um you have a girl that you meet that is actually stalking guys and um you find out that one of her friends uh they were both in med school and unfortunately her best friend died and she wasn't there and so she is trying to kind of she's still recovering from it and she's like 30 years old and still working at a coffee shop and not really okay simone go 
So there are basically two victims of this predator. One is the person who died and one is her. She goes on, she starts to get better. She dates this guy. She gets worse. And finally, she becomes an almost feminist Dexter. But but then <laughs> but then she doesn't. And so it ends all in a laugh and a wink. Good job with five wow. seconds to spare. <laughs> And I spoiled the end, like, in one line. I was able to destroy it with about three words. Sorry. We, we I guess I forgot to mention yeah. no major spoilers, but whatever. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going deep now. So anyways, Simone, Todd, you guys pretty much summed up the whole movie. This woman, Cassie, played by Carrie Mulligan, is uh, targeting creepy guys, men at, like, clubs and stuff. And uh, seeking revenge for her friend that was a victim of a rape. I think she, she was trying also to scare uh, predators and yes. people in, into yeah. not committing that kind of thing. In the same way that Fatal Attraction does it for cheating, right? Yes. Yeah. Let's start off with the, the director. So it's directed by Emerald uh, Fennell. This is her directorial debut. And... People might know that name from The Crown. She plays Camilla. And she's also the showrunner for the BBC show Killing Eve. So she is very accustomed to dark subject matters with Mm. The Crown being, you know, she is essentially in this toxic relationship with Prince Charles. And in Killing Eve, it's kind of like this uh, femme fatale storyline being unfolded on the tv screen so the reason why i highlight her is because during an interview someone asked her you know why did you make this movie and why did you make it the way you made it and she said that she wanted to make an honest uh, depiction of a real life issue and it opens the conversation to those around you after you watch the movie yeah that's that's super interesting because that that totally makes sense what you just said i'm like yeah that does it's a conversation starter Definitely. Because like after it's like it leaves you with something to talk about. I don't think that it ended up portraying this. You know, it starts and the, my expectation is I'm going to see somebody seeking revenge and finding revenge on something that is a social issue. So you see this kind of reversal of roles. But at the end, I don't think that is uh, that's what happens. Um, actually, um, you know, when you have both the victims of a predator like that, her her dear friend who who committed suicide earlier, and then her, mm-hmm. um, when they both become the victim, at mm. that point, what is the win that, uh, you know, people who are bullied are getting over these kind of predators? <sighs> yeah, it's kind of one of those things uh, like victory and death. That's the thing. This thing is not a happy... It's not a happy movie, but it's interesting. There is still a little heart in it. And I, I th- that's what I found intriguing is like, there's definitely a real reversal, you know, but there's also a lot to dissect and kind of take in on this movie, which I really enjoyed. I, I it's, it's very intelligently made. It's like very, but it, it's not preachy either, which I like too. All I have to say about the ending before we really dive into it is, this was the most bold ending I have seen since watching Uncut Gems in 2019. And if you haven't seen Uncut Gems, it stars Adam Sandler, 
he's like a jewel thief, right, or something? Like he he's selling jewels, but he's like uh, robbing from Peter to pay Paul, like that type of stuff. Where he's like always in debt to somebody, and the stakes are getting higher and higher. And it comes to a climax at the end. It's like, oh my god, I didn't see that coming at all. And promising young woman is that movie because like it really subverts your expectations because like you're you're going through this journey with our main character Cassie, and you expect a more traditional ending. And then what's given to the audience is something that it satisfies the story, but it's not what you expected. Right. It's like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. yeah I can't wait to talk like about we said my earlier. boyfriend too, man. Ooh. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Like, like we said, it's, it's bold. It's a conversation starter and it leaves you with something to talk about with those around you. But let's get into our characters. So the movie opens up with a nightclub scene of a whole bunch of like trust fund adults and they're dancing in their khakis, probably just got off of work. Yeah, they probably just sell all their GameStop stock right now and they're (laughs) having a good time. I like that they're trust fund adults because they were trust fund kids at some point, but we see them in the trust fund. Yes, so smart. Yes. Yeah, so we meet Cassie. And she is blasted out of her mind. She's all alone in this bar. And we overhear these trust fund adults uh, talking about her like, oh, my goodness. Like, she, like at this age, shouldn't she be carrying herself better? Like, someone's going to take advantage of her. And what happens? They, they're like, oh, I'll do it. I'll take her home. But it's also a... You know, I'm going to try to take her home uh, to my place, you know, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, he's like, I'm a nice guy and I'll, I'll take care of it. But it really wasn't. He wasn't trying to protect her at first. You're like, oh, this guy is nice. And he's like, hey, why don't you change the address and we'll just go to my place? It's like, oh, OK, I see where this is going. So, yeah, it becomes a game, mm-hmm. which was, you know, it's it's kind of like the re- re- recurring theme is that it's like to them. To those in a position of power, it is mm. just a game and it gets diminished, right? Mm. What what the consequences of that? He's playing a game of cat and mouse, like trying to, you know, he's being a predator. He's trying to prey on women that can't defend themselves. And in this case, it's a, a drunk lady that he's going to take advantage of. But unbeknownst to him, Cassie is faking drunk to, as we said earlier, scare these men into you know changing their ways so that's how the movie opens and (laughs) i think it perfectly encapsulates the rest of the movie well and the the big thing is like she puts in her notebook like a slash and mm -hmm. you realize that there's multiple pages of guys she's done this to and so hundreds yeah, hundreds. Yeah. And so I think Simone, you were kind of saying, like, I think it's more or less to scare them. It's like a scared straight thing. And I think a part of it to me is like she's trying to figure out a little psychology with the guys and just like what what are those steps and what, you know, what each guy takes, you know, because uh, we hear repeatedly, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. She definitely plays a game of status, um, higher status, and she's self-confident and controlled. After the mm. first scene that you mentioned, where she when she leaves, 
Adam Brody's character in the morning, she 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 lives like she's she's barefoot walking in an alley and there is construction workers on the side. They start to like compliment her, use a euphemism. And at first they're like, yeah, yeah. And then she just stares at them in silence for a minute and a half. And they start to freak out. Like, what the fuck are you doing, psycho? Like, just say that. So that, that's a super high status game, right? She becomes the predator then because she, the predator can just observe, doesn't even need to, to hide or do anything. She just looks at them and just her presence and her confidence can, can scare those people into remission. So that, that's mm. why, you know, there's, at least that's how I saw it. I, I saw her becoming literally the predator out in the mm -hmm. open and, and, uh, yeah, she's not. She's like not that. being. Yeah, she's not in a submissive role. She's no yeah. in control, which is she's yeah. she's forced. She's forced to be in in control in that way mm. after being damaged and the victim. Um, right again, in my humble opinion, kind of like the the lioness in the animal kingdom, just sitting back and watching the gazelles go by, and it's like I could uh, I could take you all down. But I'm going to choose my victims wisely. Mm. And she does choose her victims yeah. very wisely. And again, and again, firstly, it's a survival mechanism, right? You are damaged. You are you are you're hurt. You are you are deprived of something. So you have somehow you're turned into that to to that rage well, to that. To yeah, that and rage, she she's that. not yeah. happy. That's the other thing. She is not <laughs> happy, and she is she's very upset because as we kind of as the movie goes on. We find out that she wasn't there to help her friend out. Yeah, and so let's dive a little bit deeper into Cassie's character. So Cassie in this film is a 30-year-old that still lives at home with her parents. So she went to medical school, and because of the events that you know are told to the viewer, what happened to her best friend, Nina, she dropped out of med school. And she's kind of you know, been dealing with Simone, as you put it, the trauma her entire life. So she dropped out of college and she works at a, a local coffee shop. And what's interesting, which we can unpack in a little bit. So what's interesting about the name Cassandra that Cassie is derived from, if you look into Greek mythology, Cassandra was a woman with divine powers to tell the future, but was cursed to never be believed. It's a really good allegory with victim blaming, which is a prevalent theme that's going to be throughout the entire movie, and also just not believing what happened mm. to the victims. With her friend, she was you know, gang raped. We don't really know exactly what happened. All we know is that there was a bunch of dudes, and one particular dude you know, having their way with Cassie's friend, Nina, at some college party. So it's kind of like, is it that no one believes her or is it like a cover-up slash conspiracy to like not have this guy get in trouble, but instead have the woman be, you know, have her life ruined, but not this, this guy. That's, that's the title, right? promising young woman who was like a promising young boy and those kind of things like it, it calls mm. back to to many different cases like of not ruining the future of these uh, poor little kids poor little boys promising young boys promising young kids but and and so i, th I think it could be seen like that the, the guy who hurt nina years before that 
Al Monroe. I feel like, yeah, Al Monroe. That's the name of the character. I feel like he could also be seen a little bit as a satirical version of Judge Kavanaugh, right? And and that that kind of like situation where ten years before there has been all this trial and 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 thing in the Senate where you know for the confirmation and uh, he was just a kid and it was just a beer and here's the diary and here is no proof and those kind of things. I'm not saying I take one side or the other. I'm just saying that is definitely something that I notice as the character being modeled after. And it might just be me seeing things because these characters are all a little bit interchangeable, but ending up in a position of power. And the recurring theme is this, regardless of the Kavanaugh satire or not that I've seen or not. You say victim blaming, not victim blaming. That's the title. That's the key. That's 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 what happened with many of these characters, including recently in U.S. history, with a Supreme Court justice. Who do you believe? Who do you believe not? There has been, not not randomly. I think the the accuser of Kavanaugh was a doctor. She's she's a doctor. <laughs> she's a, like in the role of Kavanaugh, and so that's why I saw also the connection. Boom. Yeah, like with film, they're always a reflection of reality. It's not exact. It's kind of like the idealized um, version of reality. But I think if this movie came out when it was supposed to come out. When was that? So it was filmed back in, I think, March 2019. Mm. And so it was supposed Uh... to come out around when the pandemic started yeah. in 2020. So I think if it were to, you know, were to come out around then, certain scenes wouldn't elicit the same reaction as a 2021 viewer would watch it. Hi, man. Now. I'm sorry to just confirm what I was saying, but that kind of works great with a Brett Kavanaugh thing because he was proposed as Supreme Court Justice in July 2018. Mm. This film was this film was filmed. And so that's when she in early, started writing. Yeah, so this film was filmed in early 2019, like seven, eight, nine months later. But that kind of works know, but, pretty good. Yeah, but I think too. I mean, we have the Harvey Weinstein stuff that came out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, yes, yes. we have yeah, for what's, sure. what's the NBC guy? You know, like all these other Matt or, Lauer. Yeah, I mean. This stuff sure. has been been coming out more and, you know, you can use the Me Too movement, whatever. But yeah. I think it's still it's like it's literally an awakening of like, uh, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done this, you know. And right. I think that's kind of where that this film is kind of going is like these, you know, things used to happen and it's not right. And the real love story is kind of like. Cassie not never giving up on Nina, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's the love two, story. Two, here, two million know? percent true. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's she. She's the only one that is like Nina cannot defend herself because unfortunately she passed away. Um, and part of that reason that she passed away is because no one would believe her when she's alive. And so Cassie kind of takes that on herself and says, "I'm going to still try to figure this out." And she's still kind of trying to figure herself out as well. But mostly it's just she's almost all consumed by Nina. Mm-hmm. Nina's family says that too. It's just like, please move on. Let it yeah. go. Just yeah. for all of us. Yeah. And yeah. she's super determined. Was like, no. <laughs> oh, but no. She tries. She tries. <laughs> she, tries. But she tries. 
So yeah, I think we could, I think it's fair to say that this film is very relevant to American viewers specifically, yeah. and also around the world. There's a lot of bad eggs. So the film is pretty much broken up into six sections. You have the beginning, the prologue that sets up that Cassie is seeking revenge, avenging her fallen friend by you know going after these creepy men who are date raping women. And so that sets up the overall story. And the subsequent five other parts are her enacting her revenge on very specific people that hurt her friend, Nina. So the first one is a girl named Madison, who was a friend of the man who raped her friend. And what happens during this scene? So it's like a day lunch thing, right? Or all lunches end the day, but it's like, oh my God, you know, it's so fun, so it's fun, <laughs> so fun. But she orders a bottle of champagne and before her friend arrives, she switches it with ginger ale. So it looks like she's drinking as well, which I thought was interesting. It's like, this is not her first rodeo. And so Madison, in a sense, becomes a drunk and she's getting a little loose. And so she's trying to. I, I what I really like is that she just daggers right. She cuts right to the, you know. Do you remember, you know, what happened? And it almost like wakes her up. And I, I don't want to mm. talk about that, you know. And I, I think that's interesting because like people have these memories, and it, the brain's a funny place, and sometimes those things are buried deep, and it only takes a certain person you run into and a certain kind of key words and all of a sudden you're right back at that but people want to slough it off and say i don't want to talk about that you know and that's also her style right at yeah. some point she does this over and over she carries carries uh cassie's uh character all of a sudden pretends to be socially all right uh to just doing uh, you know, talking about this and that, just memories and everything. And all of a sudden, she'll change face, she'll change tone, and I'll go like, well, do you remember about the rape of Nina? <gasps> it's like, yeah. so, and everybody freezes, like, wait, I thought we were just pretending to be nice people. And, right. <laughs> and right. a, it's the dagger you know, that she holds behind her back when yes. she... I don't, yeah. don't want to look at myself now. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Uh, Everybody's reaction and everybody calls her like that. They're like, you're a sociopath. And yeah. because, because all of a sudden she says the truth. And sometimes she replies, I don't think I am. I think you are. Mm. They keep lying to yourself like that. <laughs> so after she boozes up Madison, Madison reveals that she knew that her friend was raped, mm. but didn't believe it because of her friend's, quote, reputation. Right. And that and that reputation is that she blacked out a lot at parties. So a party girl crying wolf. Yeah. She was saying stuff that while well, she black, you know, she goes to parties and, and gets hammered. And that's that's that. She says a lot of different things that don't aren't true. Yeah. Like Simone, how you put a crying wolf. It's like mm -hmm. where which goes into the theme of like, you know, not believing the victim like. You know, just because uh, she goes to parties and has fun doesn't mean that she is immune to, you know, not being you know taken advantage of. Like that's that's ridiculous, and it's it's quite eye opening for a female character in this movie to be complicit with covering up what happened. Mm. You know, yeah. at night. Yeah, 
that's the sociology part where it's like, it's okay for a guy to be drunk and do things that are not right because he was drunk. It's okay. Mm-hmm. He gets a pass. But if the, the woman is drunk and is taken advantage of, it's her fault because she was leading on or doing stuff that's inappropriate, but it's okay for the guy, you know, and that's, it's kind of that whole, you know, double standard. So with each one of these chapters, she retaliates in in some way, shape or form. So with Madison, she leaves the restaurants and there is a man at the bar waiting for Cassie. And she simply says, yes, that woman over there, here's a hotel room key. Do what I paid you to do. And that's how the scene ends. And it's like, damn, what, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> so going off of that, we talked at length about Cassie's character. Makes sense. She's the protagonist. Yep. Yep. But there's a supporting character that we haven't touched upon yet. That mm-hmm. is Bo Burnham's character. Yes, the comedian Bo Burnham is in this movie. And he plays the love interest, I guess, Ryan. So in the beginning of the movie... When Cassie's working, an old classmate returns, uh, Bo Barham's character, Ryan. Ryan is surprised to see Cassie as working in a coffee shop, given that they both were in med school. And so he casually asks her out on a date. And Todd, what happens after he asks her out on a date? She says no. But he, he comes back for a second time. And they, they agree kind of like on a lunch date, you know, which is or just lunch. I was surprised of like how quickly this went to where it was going. Yeah. So they slowly kindle a relationship. And in the beginning of the movie, it is revealed that uh, mostly because of his occupation, he is still in contact with some of the guys uh, right. from college. Yes, yes correct. Yes. Some of the guys that, you know, harmed uh, Cassie's friend, Nina. And uh, Cassie is not okay with that. And so she's like, well, are you close with them? And he's like, no, not really. You know, I just see him at work. Well, but but again, that, that first date, he magically arrives at his apartment and asks for her to come up for a drink. And, right. you know, a cup drink, of cup of coffee. Yeah. That cup of coffee, you know, that, that, and, uh, so she said no, and she was really upset by that. She like kicks the trash can and, you know, like, oh, this dude is the same, like every other dude in my book, you know? And so. And Bo Burnham. Yeah. Yeah. And Bo Burnham is like, Ooh, uh, did I misread the evening? Like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. Like, is this okay? Like, are you mad? And she's like, no, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah. And she kicks good. over the I mean, to, to the characters like credit, he did ask and he did respect that at the time. Mm-hmm. The problem with the character is another one later, right? Yes. And, you know, given and also when you look at Cassie's trauma that is unresolved, is that of course she's going to react that way because, like, you know, she sees all these men being. Uh, disgusting and it's you yeah. know disappointing when oh there's a little glimmer of hope like ah oh, this yeah. i finally meet like a decent yeah. guy and, and then yeah. it ends like this because she sees that pattern and now she has a glimmer of hope with ryan and he goes down the same path on day one it was day one you know like yeah. date one you know First it's date. just like 
dude, you know, like, are they all, just, <laughs> you know, is it, but it does after that, it kind of turns into this rom-com in a sense where it's not like, you know, it, it's, it becomes a little bit lighthearted and you see that her spirits actually kind of perk up a little bit, which is good, you know, but then it got, it goes dark again very quickly. <laughs> So the moral is believe the first impression always. Yes. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's always trust your guts. <laughs> if it's creepy, probably it's creepy. Yeah. Can't <laughs> no. trust anybody. Yeah. Well, and I think she know. Well, part of me thinks like in the end, she, she kind of knows that, but I, I, I was still believing in Ryan too after the first, you know, like the flub. I'm like, all right, he's coming back around, you know. Yeah. Because um, it's Bo Burnham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's established very quickly that not only is Cassie targeting creepy men, but she's also seeking revenge on the people that wronged her in the past. She's like a shark, right? She's, you know, she's kind of going around the perimeter until she gets to the, the actual target. And then the next one is the Dean, Dean Walker, you know, and yes. I'm just like, this one was, so she writes on her paper Walker. And of course mm-hmm. I am oblivious and you see a, a girl, like a high school girl walking. I'm like, Oh, she's picking up a Walker. I don't like, I couldn't, <laughs> I didn't put it together, man. I'm just like, whatever. Okay, <laughs> this is a, She's, she wants to pick up a Walker, you know, but she pretends to be like a makeup artist for a boy band. And this girl is like all over boy bands and finally is like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this makeup thing for this video shoot. And she just gets in the car. I'm just like kids these days on their cell phones, <laughs> trusting boy bands and all this stuff. I was like, OK, so these TikTokers don't understand. <laughs> you don't get into strange right. cars. Right, right, right. <laughs> For me, it was like a big van and, and some a guy some asking about candy, you know. But this one's just like boy band, self, you know, and makeup artist. Okay, yeah, just get in the car. It's fine. Yeah, it's like sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so it hard cuts to uh, her former college, and she meets up with Dean Walker, and she confronts Dean Walker because this particular character knew about the Nina Fisher incident. She covered it up. Cassie reveals that. Oh, you don't remember the room that it happened in? You don't remember who Nina Fisher is? It's a shame that the same thing could happen to another young girl, um, your daughter. Um, You can find her. You just have to go to the room that Nina Fisher was in. The the dean says the same things that we hear from a society perspective. Oh, well, you know, they were just boys and I needed to protect him. And, Mm -hmm. you know... But, you know, and then Cassie just really asked those like very pointed questions. And she just kind of like, well, things have changed now. Like that her decisions back then wouldn't be the same decisions now, but it it's in the past. So I can't really go back to it, you know, but then a mini flips when she's like, well. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Your daughter's in that same room and you could just see her freak out because she knows what happens with drunk frat boys, you know, and that's her daughter. You know, and it's personal. Yeah, at that point, it's not more anymore. Again, maintaining the status quo. She wanted to maintain her job, like like men. She wanted to maintain the money. She wanted to maintain everything. But when it becomes the daughter, it's like ah, oh. <laughs> all that goes out the window. Yeah, when it, it is. When, yeah, it, yeah. when it affects you personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, then the, I, what I love is that she's like, "Well, why don't you call her?" And the phone rings mm-hmm. in like Cassie's purse, and you're just like. <laughs> you know, props to her for going way over the top. I mean, there's deservedly so because her friend died because of this. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, it is a sociopath behavior. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not that it is not. Again, the, we need to look at the causes, and that's because she was pushed to it, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. But, that's, she's, that's it. but it is. But at the same time, she's fighting because no one else will fight for Nina. Yeah. It's like, she's fighting, she's fighting for this, you know, she's a uh, victim too, right? She's the other victim of the predator. So we see the reasons. It doesn't make it right. But, um, but she does reveals like your daughter just is at the diner and you probably should take your cell phone and not be, I did. I did appreciate that fight. I find that is the, that is the super person of very, very high status. It's just like, look, I could have done it clearly. But I didn't. Yes. <laughs> you're, just, you're just so insanely <laughs> stupid to believe it or to let it happen. Right. It's just like, right. it's just, it's, that is like double high status. It's just like, I don't, I'm not even going to do it. That's how good I am. Goodbye. That's <laughs> just like, I just wanted you to change your perspective. Like, oh, that's the most evilish right. way to do it. <laughs> but yeah, it worked. Yeah. But I think too, the, the takeaway here is like, people in power should technically have a perspective like that is their own family in a sense, you know, like when you, when you have these cases, like you need to hear both sides and not automatically assume things. And because that situation is now her daughter, she knows that her daughter is good and when it happened, but like there's definitely trouble when those, you know, in that situation with, some drunk frat boys and all that kind of stuff. I don't, right. it, and and all the game that becomes here, Armand. What do you think? Do you think that Dean had a you know has a clear side? Because we mentioned like the poor the, the, the victims, the people who have who are in the hands of those that have power, and we mentioned the trust fund kids in this in this play. So those are the two extremes. Where is the Dean? Where do you see the Dean? Do you see the Dean clearly on one side? Mm. The Dean is supposed to be the arbiter in these situations and be impartial. So 
she can be both fair and just when she, and she clearly fails at that. But in yeah. life, where is she? Where is she as social class, like status quo maintaining? Oh. Well, she's. I, I mean, we don't know what the university Yale uh, university is like. Is this like okay. a you know? Is this a Yale or a Harvard or you know? Okay. Is this a JUCO or something? You know, like a junior college <laughs> or something. We don't. We don't know. Obviously, because it's pre med, we would think it's somewhat prestigious, mm. right? Okay, um, but. You know, again, both girls dropped out because of this. Yeah. Right. And she still protected. Oh, there is no doubt that she's corrupted. Right. But I I mean, I would say obviously being a dean, I mean, there's still it's still a very powerful position Hmm. in the school. And, And to Armand's point, I mean, she is she should be an arbitrator where she's seeing both sides and being just. She's supposed to be like this symbol. Like I even think of uh, the Supreme Court image of, you know, justice where it's uh, she's holding up the scale and she's blinded because, you know, she's she is truly being impartial. Mm -hmm. And so instead of her being impartial, she's obviously whether it's she's being paid by Al Monroe's family or whoever, like she's being corrupted by some force where okay. she is siding with the aggressor instead of the victim. It, it, it's yeah, it's like who's paying for the school? It's all these rich, you know. It's like all the alumni, and we don't know, but we're assuming like Al's family is influential, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, like there's certain things, there's certain, especially with and with, with boosters and all that kind of stuff. It's like she does, you know, she is a woman in a high position, and she doesn't want to rock mm-hmm. the boat too much. You know, so and and Cassie's uncompromising on any like everybody, even yes. if you were just a friend, a woman yeah. that yeah. heard about it till two years later, if you didn't take a super clear position, you deserve no mercy. Yeah. And that's that's also the characteristic of, of the character, right? It's yeah. totally into this. Yes, and the the third tally, it is the lawyer, which is Mr. Green, Al Monroe's lawyer. What's different about this particular person is, yes, he is to blame and he is a part of this you know, conspiracy to act against Nina, but he's the only one that feels remorse mm. for what he did. He's broken. Which is very interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a broken, broken lawyer. And he even confesses like they got bonuses. He brings up social media, which is a very interesting thing. You know, and we all know this is the business world. It's like, you know, if you have it on social media that you just assume that it's out there and it could be used against you. And he kind of alludes to the fact like they had people looking at social media just to, you know, break open these cases or take them. You know, they don't even go to court because like, hey, this person's, you know, posted this and therefore it's out of court, you know, but he is broken. He can't, he basically says, I can't sleep. I'm torn up. And then when she mentions Al's name, he actually remembers Nita's name. And I think that Mm -hmm. to Cassie, that's the first time where she's actually, wow, this guy actually does remember her. And I think that that goes a long way. Um, cause at the end scene we have, she goes back to her car and there's a dude there 
And I don't know right. if the dude is there to rough him up. I we don't know. We don't know. We just don't know. Maybe or the dude is man. there to make him think that they slept together, just like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the morning oh, did i sleep with him uh, i still get paid right <laughs> i really wanted to sleep with this old lawyer this old retired lawyer for vengeance so, yeah. so uh, the lawyer character what's interesting about his character is that he admitted that he had an epiphany uh his doctors called a psychotic break but he got a bonus for every charge dropped mm -hmm. and for every acquittal that happened with all of his clients so not only is he trying to do a good job and like represent his person but he got paid extra if he got them off the hook whether they were guilty or not so that is pretty gross and like you said, Todd, earlier with social media, he was ordered to comb through all these girls' uh, accounts and find any sort of evidence of anything that could uh, damage their reputation. Like he, the way he put it is like one drunk photo at a party. It's like, oh, that's it. I can use that to, yep. you know, poke a hole in their case. Mm -hmm. And so... He's like, you know, back in the day, we had to like go through girls' trashes, but like with social media, yeah, it's, it's so, so much easy. easier. The yeah. yeah, the trash yeah. is everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's, but yeah, like with his character, he felt remorse. Yeah, and I love the way that Cassie and Mister Green's mm. uh, interaction ended, which is he he went on his knees mm. and he begged for forgiveness. Yeah. Orman, there's powerful image that you to ask for forgiveness on her knees. Basically, mm. I don't know if it's an English word, genuflection, genuflection, like being on your knees, basically, like like in church and that kind of genuflex. Thing. Yeah, genuflex. Thank you. Yes, mm -hmm. genuflection. Yeah. Um, if that's a thing, it is not the first time that and and the last time that we see Carrie as as she who can give forgiveness, as as Mary, as as pure in her sense. There is another image where she is at the coffee shop. That's my favorite shot in the whole movie, by the way. Yeah, and you know that's that's another scene. You look at her, and she has the coffee shop logo behind her head, like a halo, and she's clearly, clearly the unvirgin <laughs> Mary in that scene, where somebody else goes to ask her to ask her for forgiveness. So it's it's a recurring theme too. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. You know, so we talked about Cassie visiting her mother, Nina's mother, and then um, she kind of gives up in a sense, like for a little bit. And that's where the Ryan thing kind of takes, takes almost like this is where the romantic part comes in. And they kind of are they're having a healthy relationship in a sense, you know, and right. she kind of let, lets go after the lawyer. And then and they have dinner together. With her mom. Her mom is played by uh, who's the American Pie girl. The uh, You mean Jennifer Coolidge? Yes. AKA Susan. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the um but the one thing I really like about this at the end is that her dad says, like, you know, we we really still miss Nina. Like we she's part of the family, but we miss my daughter, you know, we miss our daughter even more. Like he's like super happy to see her like being normal, you know? And I thought that was such a cool, yeah. 
just a kind of cool, you know, scene where it's like, you know, they're suffering too, you know, cause she's, she's trapped and they're almost trapped as well, you know, because right. she's still living at home. She can't, you know, she's working a coffee shop. They had high plans for her to be a doctor, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. Like you don't want to see your daughter like that. Just no. like living in the past and just being haunted by what happened to your friend. So there is that glimmer of like, Oh, she's moving on. Brian's back, you know, and they're, they're singing in the pharmacy and having the fun things and they're doing, doing all the kind of romantical stuff. And they both kind of at one point say, I, I think I'm falling in love with you. And she kind of says yes. the same and you know, there's, there's connection yeah. there. Yeah. So it all comes crashing down when the character from earlier in the movie, Madison, the first check Mark returns and she is found camping in front of Madison's uh, front door. And she is so distraught about the last time they met. And she was like, there, there's this man, like, I don't know what happened. So she tells Madison that, Hey, uh, that man that you woke up in that hotel room with, he didn't do anything. I just paid him to make it seem like, oh, yes, there was you know, something right. happened. Do, do you she believe was like, oh, that? Thank God. Do you believe that? Yeah, if he, if he did it with the daughter, why not with the, of the dean? Why not with her? Right. If she was like... A, it's just a scare tactic. And it's set up yeah. with the men because she's not actually killing these men. That's true. She's just scared. Right. Yeah. We don't know that. So on, on the, we never see the people who are marked red on the little notebook that she keeps of the... Sorry. Just saying. There is different colors. Some are red. We do not never see those. And, 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 and Go ahead. Okay. So that whole scare uh, made her think about what happened with Nina. And she was like, you know what? To Cassie. Um, it made me think about what happened and it made me realize a couple things and remember a couple things. And what I remembered is there was a tape about yeah. what happened and it's on my phone. She gives her the phone Here's and the she phone. said, yeah, don't contact me. And I recommend don't watching the video, but here you go. And it's almost like, like Madison's like, I'm done. Like I am not only does she say I'm done with Cassie, but like it almost frees her conscience in a sense, like here, here's the phone. I know what's on here. Um, but I'm done because now I, I've righted the past in a sense. But she also says during that conversation that, that, that they thought it was a joke, like, and it was passed around, like everybody who was everybody pretty much mm, saw it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I find that somewhat disturbing as well. Like no one, besides anybody else would say yeah this is this is wrong you know this is not right I, here's the thing for how much the times can change who the fuck thinks it's a, like <laughs> something like that is a joke like even if i, I don't want to think that i'm amazing but if you 50 or 60 years ago you think, well this was, this was kind of fun joke. it wasn't a fun joke <laughs> even if you told me 70 years ago no matter how much the times change it's just like that is not a joke I don't know. I think yeah. if you would have been trashed 70 years ago and you'd be trashed today if you think that's a joke. Like, and, and the thing is, is the excuse that always reoccurs is we were just kids. And if you really think about it, they weren't kids. They were in their 20s. They were yeah. in college 
they're full grown adults. They're adults. Yeah, they're adults. Yeah. So that was a pivotal moment in the movie because she then watches the video. Yeah. And she hears a familiar voice. Oh, this broke me. I was like, I, you know, at this point too, I, I'm almost thinking like that Ryan and her do have a future and there's some resolution there. But then when you hear the voice, you're like, Oh boy, he was there. He was there. And not only he was there, he was enjoying watching what was happening to Cassie's friend. Was he enjoying it? Well, it's like it's like a house party and everybody's watching them and no one is like stopping it. That's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, exactly. you can that's, you can kind of laugh point. it off. Like, yeah. But like at the end of the day, did totally. anyone come in and say, dude, like lay off? She's passed out or whatever the case is. Absolutely. Or, yeah. You know, like no one defended her, you know, and that's mm-hmm. obviously that's what eating kind of you know cassie alive is that i didn't go to this party and i wasn't there to stop the this and then the fact that ryan's there and is laughing about it and saying this is crazy and all this stuff and doesn't do anything just kind of like seals the deal for her ryan tries to use that as an excuse too he goes like but i didn't even do anything and that's kind of the point that's the point that, I, think she's like, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a point in a lot of things where there are other bystanders throughout the whole thing. So, yes, you might not be the assaulter or whatever. Passive is complicit. Yeah. So from there, Cassie confronts Bo Burnham, uh, Ryan. Th- this was where she's like Charles Bronson. She is like on a warpath at this point. So. She she basically says she blackmails him and says, hey, I have this video and I looked at all your contacts and I'm ready to hit send like and just straight up like I need to know where this bachelor party is happening, because we find out obviously through this through this is that Al is about to get married. And so she wants dibs on where the bachelor party is happening. And even though Ryan's not invited, he kind of still knows or maybe was invited. And because of the Cassie situation, he didn't go. We don't know the details, but he knows the location of the party. So from there, this leads into the final two check marks, which kind of go hand in hand with each other. So Cassie finds out where this bachelor party is going to be. It's in the middle of a forest in a cabin. And she goes there undercover, dressed as a stripper, a nurse. And yeah, what happens at this bachelor party? First of all, you know, uh, he comes off innocently as like, I didn't order a stripper. I don't want a stripper. But then it kind of escalates. And then Cassie gets all the bachelors there and basically makes them drink something and uh, we find out that she basically laces it and they all pass out. And so now Al, she takes Al up to the room. Right. And so when she handcuffs Al Monroe to the bed, he was like, you know, cause she says like, Oh, this is for my protection. You know, some, some guys get a little handsy <laughs> and she says, well, you know, I'm a gentleman. 
And she's like, well, those are usually the worst kinds of guys. So he said, you know, what's your name? She says, my name's Candy. And he's like, no, I meant your real name. And she says, my name is Nina Fisher. Al Monroe freaks out. Like, he was like, are you trying to blackmail me? Like, do you want money from me? You know, it's every guy's worst nightmare to be accused of something like this. You know, he's like, well, I'm getting married, too. Like, yo, I can't I can't have this happening. You know, when he sees his marriage, his job threatened again, it, it just like freaks out. That's that's the thing. He tries he tries to um, to defend himself first verbally and then eventually, as I'm sure you're about to describe our man physically. So yeah, like she tries to kind of have him confront the sins of his past, and in doing so, he does everything necessary to get out of the situation, and it turns physical. Mm. So. I alluded to this earlier because it was originally this movie was originally supposed to come out spring of 2020 and it got delayed because of, you know, COVID. So it came out, you know, in December, last yes. December. Straight to VHS. And this, <laughs> and this was at, <laughs> So this was after a very huge event that happened in 2020. Mm. So this was the first thing I thought of seen this yeah so me too um me too al monroe breaks out of his handcuffs on the bed and he proceeds to uh silence nina by putting a pillow over her head and then putting his knee on her neck neck. one arm is still tied to the bed like he's not fully free so he's kind of but he got at least a, a physical advantage on Cassie and I yeah that's the first thing I thought of Armand when I saw the knee on the neck I'm like oh my gosh he wants her to stop he asks her stop stop mm. stop 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 she doesn't and that's and he's panicking he, and he's, he's panicking. panicking yeah yeah and but but there is even there a little bit of a message it's like you made me do this mm. you made me do this so once again I mean the victim yeah, once again, it's it's the victim's fault. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a powerful Dude. scene because it's like it. I again, I know this is a movie, but it seems real. It's like the, you know, and we've seen it happen. You know, in with the, George Floyd. With George, yeah. Floyd, you know, um, and we know, you know, the other thing we know, it's like it's not, you know, in most movies, everything's instant. It's like, oh, you know, uh, but this took time and they've they made it you know made basically made you watch it as well and you're just like wow this is awful you know um yeah it's just a very powerful scene yeah so that leads to the death of our protagonist uh cassie gets killed by el monroe and like i said super shocking scene didn't (laughs) Didn't think that was going to happen. And the way the movie progresses from there makes it seem that that is the end of the movie. But the movie keeps on going. And so it's the morning after. Uh, Al Monroe's friends uh, you know, come to from being drugged. And 
his best friend Joe uh, comes upstairs and is like, hey, hey man. Like, <laughs> we acting like yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe is the real trash. Joe is the real garbage. So he starts immediately to construct in his head and he's like, this wasn't your fault. Yeah. This was an accident. So now we'll take her and we'll burn her alive. <laughs> his friends once again enabling what happened. Yeah, yeah. And it's and again, it's the same friend friend circles that enabled everything else, probably. And there's probably other things that we don't know about, you know, that's happened, but it, it almost seems very natural. We got this covered. Like we're, yeah. you know, we will we'll make this happen. And the yeah, they might kiss at that point. They <laughs> hug each other. <laughs> the bros being bros. No, they, they do hug each other, like they try like when he's still handcuffed. And uh another thing that he says once again, am I gonna lose my job? That's the thing that he asked his friend. Another like preoccupation, it's a standard line of everybody. So yeah, going from there, they dispose of Cassie's body by burning it in the forest. And you know, because of her disappearance, that prompted a police investigation. So they're interviewing her family. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And ultimately, that leads to that leads back to Bo Burnham's character. And the police begin questioning him. This this scene. Yeah, this is where I was. I was very disappointed with Ryan. I was just like, dude, really? You know, and because of what the parents say, they almost like say like she's mentally unstable. And then the detective that comes to Ryan is like, also like, Oh, you're a pediatrician doctor. He's like, Oh, this is great. You're, you're a great upstanding, upstanding citizen. So he almost leads him into the, the answers that he says, but he's upset at first, but then he kind of goes, yeah, yeah. She was kind of unstable, you know, like, He's self. He he's not selfless. He just he could have said he's to oh, protect his job. Yeah, he was like, oh yeah, I sent her. She was mad at Al Monroe and sent her to this address. You know, like he could have said that, but he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't it's do like, it. Like you know what? What happened? No, no, she was right. She actually went to this address to kill my friends because ten years ago we yeah. we raped somebody. <laughs> right. So she's that's where she went. But go check. Yeah, once again, uh, Ryan does anything in his power to save his ass, and he does so. And so this leads into the wedding, Mm -hmm. and the wedding of Al Monroe. And in the background, Cassie sends a package to Al Monroe's former lawyer, and it simply says, In my disappearance, here is this phone. Please contact the police departments. And here is, you know, all the instructions and my testimony about what's Mm. going on. Yeah. So she does that. And also she sends a scheduled text message to Ryan. How does she do that? Yeah. I want to do do scheduled. Must be a man. An Android function, the only movie with an Android phone instead of an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, that feature is not on iPhones right now. <laughs> right. That was weird. I was like, why? Yeah. So essentially, Cassie utilized what is called a kill switch, which is if someone were to die or becomes missing, uh, if they have like information 
or dirt on somebody that would get activated and sent to like the authorities or mm. wherever. So she does that with Al Monroe mm-hmm. and she sends a scheduled text to Bo Burnham simply saying, you didn't think this was the end. It is now enjoy the wedding. So the police converge on the wedding, arrest Al Monroe Joe runs, uh, for the murder. He is running for his life. He's out. He's like, ah. yes, running, jogging casually into the forest to get yeah, away. Yeah. And they arrest Al Monroe for the murder of Cassie. And that's how our movie ends. Yeah. Do you think that Cassie knew that she was going to die or she wanted to die? Or because essentially what, what she wanted to do with Al was carve Nina's name in his body. That's that's essentially what, you know, she wanted to do to torture him in a sense. But. Uh, I mean, she was definitely prepared for it, right? She was definitely prepared she for it, but I, I almost yeah. think, like, I don't know if she really wanted to die at that moment. I just think she no. knew. It was a possibility, and she it's, was it's ready for it. Because, it was definitely yeah. a possibility, right. At this point, you know, when, when I think she was driven not necessarily by her friend purely at that point, but it became kind of a, her her motivation was more grief turned into rage so it became her objective and it's it's like the becomes a little bit like the the maximum um the 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 parallel that comes to mind is the mac like the 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 prime directive of a machine (laughs) that that is like until it is executed i will not rest and and that's (laughs) what it became so at that point (laughs) It, that's what it felt to me. It's just like, this must be done. So in the event that he... She might have just used the phone and chilled and go like, hey, I finally have the evidence. But who tells you that she was not going to be silenced again? Right? At this point, you've exactly. been silenced so many times in life. And plus, again, when it has been your life goal for the past 10 years, so much to have a little book with all the revenges, one by one, of of teaching and educating people about this, then eventually I think she was prepared. I don't know if she desired it. It just it felt more like, this is my destiny. might happen. Mm-hmm. It will serve this purpose. Well, and I, I think, too, one of the, the key points is, too, the the failure of ryan just sets her off too it, it, it like mm. there and I, I think that's part of what we see here is that there is some normalcy for a second and but then when that character the care the actual character of ryan like his his motivation is still selfish and there's not love you know that's not love and then therefore that kind of sets her off to like i have to finish you know, what I started in a sense. And like you said, it's almost a prime directive. Like I got, I will, this will happen for Nina, you know, and for her really. And that's why I was saying at the very beginning about the end that um, I feel like here it is not necessarily a tale of empowerment at the end, because if you are the secondary victim of this to having to follow the prime directive, where is the true empowerment, even if in function of the truth? At the end, we had a second person robbed of her life. Mm. So I don't think there is a little bit of a victory in this sense for the real victims and the actual victims. Of course, for the ideal of morality and truth and justice. But 
But at the end, two people lost their lives. So that might also be a message. I don't know. It might be just mine that this kind of damage does not, it's it's not recoverable once it mm. happens to people and, and it's lost. Mm. And going from there, let's wrap it up. So to close the show here on Syndicate, we like to do one reason why. So starting with you, Todd, what is the one reason why you would give somebody to watch this movie? Well, I wouldn't recommend this as a Valentine's movie, but <laughs> <laughs> I would, I do, you know, I, I am glad that I watched this, um, this film because like it, the, the one recommendation recommendation I would say is that it's, it, it, it definitely enlightened you on a bigger thing in our culture. And we all have to take an active part to make change. Um, and so the love that, that love for Cassie's love for Nina is really compelling. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's why I would recommend this film is just like kind of open your eyes to bigger soul. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Social issues that are going on. And for you, Simone? I want to be clear. This is not, as you said, Todd, this is not a comedy. If you read the description of this movie and it says it's a dark comedy, it is not. <laughs> I didn't laugh. Yeah. And that's right. fine. Yeah. And that's very, very much fine. So if you want to see something that twists your guts about maintenance of the status quo and abuse of power and inability to recover from damage done to those who are, you know, the victims of, of this abuse of power and just, just watch this. It's, it's, it's nice visually mm. and it's twisted. And you cringe a bit <laughs> inside. Nice. And then for me, that's kind of a combination of both of yours. It's conversation starter. Yeah. Uh, we said that at the top of the show, like it's a conversation starter. It leaves you with something 
to talk about with loved ones. Um, it's a very important topic that because of Me Too, that it is being highlighted in our society, but the conversation is far from over. And this film points to it. And it's more effective than any after school special or anything that's deliberately talking about it. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's well structured. I definitely enjoyed it. And other people should watch it too. To end the show, if the topics tonight affected you in any way, there is support, there is help in the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is free, confidential, and 24-7. You can reach it at 1-800-656-HOPE, 800-656-HOPE, or you can chat online at rain.org. That is R-A-I-N-N.org. But yeah, that's it for this time on Syndicates. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Promising Young Woman by Emerald Fennell. Please check it out where it is available. And now I'd like to take a moment to thank my guests, Todd and Simone, for coming on the show. Thanks to you, mine. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. You're welcome. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Au revoir.